This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single-line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from life. You know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. School of Humans. This is Racket, Inside the Gold Club. Episode 6, Tantrums and Torture. As the episode title gives away, this episode contains details of graphic violence. From A Few Good Men to Judge Judy, pop culture has loved to dramatize what happens inside the courtroom. In the musical Chicago, chorus girl Roxy Hart's lawyer tells him to give him the old razzle-dazzle. That'll shake off a murder charge. Here's lead defense attorney Steve Sadow. Trials are theater but with freedom and liberty at stake. It's not simply about how well you perform. It's performance that ends in a given result. But the most scandalous parts of the Gold Club trials were juicier than fiction. Day two featured a damn table dance. It's May 15, 2001. This was all, let's say, method acting by Jacqueline Bush's lawyer, Bruce Harvey. For his opening statement, he spoke in the first person, as if he were Bush himself. You know I don't understand this. I'm charged in a racketeering conspiracy that starts in 1983. 1983, that's count one of the indictment. That's where I start. I was born in October of 1968. Let's figure that out. So when this racketeering enterprise started, I was 14. 14 years old. Harvey wondered how the Gold Club's premier exotic dancer and champagne saleswoman got mistaken for a racketeer and a prostitute and figured he had no choice but to demonstrate the difference. And I had my co-counsel hit the, hit the button on the boombox and, and jumped up on the table and said, here's what Jackie Bush does. Here's what she does. She's not a decision maker. She strips. And I started dancing and I was taking my coat off and I was swinging my coat over my head. And everybody was going, holy shit, what the fuck is this? 
I don't know whether anybody else has really ever jumped up on the table in federal court in an opening statement. There's a certain style that he's developed. Again, here's Sadow. Bruce is a really good-looking guy, uh, ponytail, tall, thin, dramatic, tremendous courtroom presence. The presiding judge for the trial, Judge Willis Hunt, wasn't impressed. He tells Harvey to get off the table. But Harvey wasn't finished. I'm thinking, okay, what can I do next? Uh, my ideas got shot down. The, the place was packed, so I, I put my coat back on. I walked out into the audience, and I just picked out some poor guy that was sitting there. I, I, I had no idea who he was or anything like that. And I sat down next to the guy, and I started talking to him. And I said, hey, how's it going? Can, uh, will you buy me a drink? What are you doing here? Where are you from? You know, I started giving him that, the whole dancer kind of seduction routine to get him to buy me a bottle of champagne. Guy was totally embarrassed. I remember he was like turning beet red. Between the athletes and the mobsters set to testify, a swarm of media had already descended upon downtown Atlanta. But then ESPN and the New York Times caught wind of the striptease by the silver ponytailed lawyer. Everybody said my dance sucked um, and that, that I'd never make any money for either myself or my employer. So, no, there, was, there, there wasn't a career change. But um, I know that at the end of the day, it's going to be in my epitaph. Um, it's certainly going to be in my eulogy. And then everybody will start laughing and go home. Unfortunately for the judge... Harvey's table dance wouldn't be the first time the court was out of order. You know, for opening statements and closing arguments, the courtroom was just packed. I don't think I don't think there was an empty seat in the in the courtroom. This is Bill Rankin, who's a reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. He covered the whole trial. You'd have the government with Art Leach and Glenn Baker and some of the agents on one side, then you'd have all all these defense attorneys and their clients on the other side. And there was uh, Judge Willis Hunt, who is a, I, I thought he handled the case as well as he could. He was, I think his main uh, challenge was just keeping order between the attorneys because there was a lot of vitriol. I mean, this was no holds barred. And it got real personal a couple of times, especially during opening statements where there were accusations from the defense and Judge Hunt called him out on it. With these interpersonal conflicts, perhaps Judge Willis Hunt didn't stand a chance. They know what the government wants to hear, and they believe that's what salvation is. They believe it's with the devil. That's what they believe it is. They believe it's with the persecutor. I mean the prosecutor. This is from the opening statement of Dwight Thomas. Thomas represented Reginald Burney, the retired officer accused of tipping off the gold club of permit checks and police raids. And it was a big deal that he called Art Leach a persecutor instead of a prosecutor. I don't know if that was a slip of the tongue or not. <laughs> That's Thomas today. Back then, he tried to brush his mistake off. But when Leach raised an objection, saying that he wouldn't tolerate such personal attacks, Thomas didn't sound sorry. It's kind of like my mama said, hit dog holler, he said. Meaning that if you throw a rock at a dog and you hit him, he'll yelp. Well, I threw a rock at somebody in that courtroom and they yelped. 
Tensions were high. And during the course of opening statements, Sadow actually almost got hit. An FBI agent who had been working the case, Mark Sewell, threw a videotape at him. In September 2000, prosecution wanted to arrest Steve Kaplan for contacting Jennifer Romanello, the Gold Club's old receptionist and Norby's girlfriend, who became an eyewitness. His attorney said Kaplan didn't realize this was illegal. However, Steve Sadal suggested that what was far more inappropriate was Mark Sewell's relationship with Romanello. We had gotten her telephone records, and there were some very late-night calls from her number in Florida, where she was, to an Atlanta area code. And I talk about late night, I'm talking about three in the morning, four in the morning, the time when people should be sleeping. Sadow discovered that all these late night phone calls were to Mark Sewell. So I start asking her questions about Agent Sewell and her response to that is, well, you know, I've talked to Mark many times. Not Agent Sue, Mark. So I'm talking, I'm asking her questions about how often does she talk to him? He's only supposed to be uh, an agent. And then I pull out the phone records and I say, and when you talk to him at 3 a.m. on this day, were you talking about the case? Wait, let me see. You're not married, right? But Mr. Sue is, correct? And you're calling him at 3 a.m. in the morning? What are you all talking about? Are you trying to give him some information that you just happen to remember? Oh, no, Mark and I used to talk all the time about all kinds of things. And Sewell is sitting there at the prosecution's table, and he's getting redder and redder and redder. And you can tell, obviously, the whole thing here is something's going on between the two of them. When she gets off the stand, the judge leaves. And now the courtroom is Sue and me and a few of the defendants. And Sue is steaming. And he looks at me and he says, how dare you suggest that I was having an affair with her? And I said, I haven't said any such thing. And he lost it and he picks up a videotape and throws it at me in the courtroom and and begins to march towards me, gets in my face. I don't lose it, I just stand there, and he just goes off. Steve Sadow and the government, they locked horns all the time. Journalist Bill Rankin again. I think the agents in the case didn't care for him at all and there was one moment when he was Steve was asking the prosecution for a videotape that they had promised to turn over and Mark Sewell just flung it at him like threw it at him like a frisbee and uh, stunned him when court resumed they they reported it to Judge Hunt and uh, our leads had to apologize and I think that says a lot about what was going on. You know, you don't see that kind of thing. You know, people are more professional than you would hope. They, they had had enough of each other, even though they had a long way to go. The judge comes back out and he says, I understand that there was a bit of a problem. Mr. Sadow, do you want us to do anything about that? And I said, oh no, Your Honor. Things like that just kind of happen in trials. 
As May turned to June, Judge Hunt threatened a mistrial over the complete lack of decorum. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. On April 30th, 2001, a couple weeks before the trial, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution ran a front-page story about all the mobsters who would be taking the stand. It explained how Art Leach arranged for these men to testify, and in exchange, he'd recommend reducing their sentences. It was written by Bill Rankin. One day, uh, Steve Sadow gave me a call and said I could come over to his office and look at some files he had put together, and I'd spent hours and hours reading through all the deals that these mobsters and uh, really violent people were getting from the government. It was kind of chilling, actually, to see what some of these people had done. The story also quotes Sadow, who said, If you were to look up the words liar and criminal in the dictionary, the names of these witnesses could be included in the definitions. And the thing is, giving Rankin all of this information was intentional on Sadow's part. He wanted this story to run. I had spent months and months listening to how bad the Gold Club was. All these leaked stories about the individuals and what people were supposedly saying and what had happened to them and how horrible it was. So I gave Bill Rankin and the AJC enough information about these sordid witnesses, for him to write basically a Sunday story of several pages outlining who would be expected to testify against Steve Kaplan and the Gold Club. And the story was 
was astonishingly detailed. The AJC story begins. One star witness cut a man's ear off in a bathtub. Another shot a woman in the neck after she dropped her kids off at school. A third, a self-proclaimed two-bit leg breaker, beat a man with an ax handle. Sadow timed releasing this information about the sordid government witnesses just right. The article came out the day of jury selection. That way, the fact that Art Leach was reducing sentences for murderers would be fresh in the minds of the public and potential jurors. The government was so upset because now, for the very first time, its terrible witnesses um, had been exposed. Jury selection went well. Leach nixed two of the original 12 jurors. One of them used to work in Miami. More specifically, he used to install AC units in an apartment complex the juror knew was owned by the mafia. The defense blocked a Christian radio listener, a member of Mothers Against Drunk Driving, and a Jehovah's Witness. Judge Hunt also disqualified jurors who were either devoutly religious or believed that new clubs should be banned. Seda was so pleased with this selection, he told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, it's the best jury I've seen in 20 years in federal court. Defense was intent on showing that the most unsavory characters in the courtroom weren't the people on trial, but the ones under witness protection. Rankin's AJC story would be brought to life before the jury's eyes. The jury had to come face to face with prosecution's eyewitnesses, mobsters, torturers, killers. Early on in the trial, there was one snafu. Art Leach had John Gotti Jr. transported from a New York prison to Atlanta. But Gotti Jr. pleaded the fifth. He did not testify. Leach never explained why he brought Gotti down from New York, not even to Gotti's lawyer. But if the point was to show how dangerous it would be for the mafia to infiltrate the South, he already had plenty of eyewitnesses. And they were getting good deals. Bill Rankin wrote about one witness, Dino Basquiano, in his article. They asked him all the stuff he'd done, and he said murder, conspiracy to murder, attempted murder, armed robbery, burglary, arson, cocaine trafficking, gun trafficking, and a couple of others. He said, you name it, we did it. But he got um, an incredible deal from the prosecutors to testify in the Gold Club case. He said he had been paid by the government $188,000 to relocate his family six times. And instead of getting a life sentence, he was given six years in prison. And uh, I guess his most important testimony at the trial was that he saw Kaplan slip envelopes stuffed with cash to a Gambino crime captain, Shorty Mascuso. Another eyewitness was Big John Gibbons. At the time, he was a 400-pound gangster who had some dealings with Kaplan at his club in Boca Raton. Michael DeLeonardo's lawyer, Craig Gillen, cross-examined him. Gillen asked Givens to walk through all the criminal acts Givens had done, starting with routinely beating people up, which Givens called whomping people up. 
And I walked him through on cross-examination all the things that he did and all and the things that he would do to save himself. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, you know, you talked about beating people up. He would call lumping them up. Yeah, you'd do this, you'd do that. That's right. Now, another thing you would do is you worked in deception, correct? Uh, you would dress up as a federal agent, or an FBI agent or a DEA agent with your buddies, and then you would then have badges, warrants. You would stop known drug dealers in South Florida, get out with walkie-talkies, pretend like you're arresting them, arrest them so their bodyguards aren't jumping in and creating a fight with you. And then what you did is you didn't take them, did you, Mr. Givens? You didn't take them to jail. Of course not. You took them back to your torture chamber. Well, what do you mean by the torture chamber? Well, you know, your apartment, correct. And that's when you began the process of torturing them. Yes. To be precise, Givens' torture chamber was his bathtub. Your bathtub, correct. Because you wanted to have people in the bathtub because it helps with that messy cleanup problem when you've been cutting people up all day. Uh, And you can just hose down the the tub. That's right. Gillen then explained Gibbons' torture methods. This part is pretty gruesome, so skip forward a couple minutes if you'd rather spare yourself the details. By the way, torturing people is hard work, isn't it? It can be. Uh, You can really work up a sweat torturing people. Yes, you can. We went through all the things that he did. He would, he would, uh, you know, slice up people's nostrils and put lit cigars up their nostrils. He would threaten to cut off their, uh, their uh, testicles. He would, you know, cut off one man's ear. Uh, Whatever it took to get the information is what Mr. Givens was prepared to do. Now, when you're torturing somebody, uh, there's a, there's a fine line between torturing somebody enough and inflicting enough pain on them so that they will tell you where the drugs and money is. Correct? That's right. But not too much pain where you kill them. Correct? That's right. Because then they can't tell you where the drugs and money is. That's correct. Gillen looked over at the jurors. Their horrified looks said it all. And the, the look on their faces, they're simply... Uh, horrified at this guy being in the witness chair, being that close to them. And then we get down toward the end. So I said, well, so then you became a government witness. Oh, yeah, yes. But you did that because you were indicted by the government and you conspired to have every single witness in your trial murdered. Correct. Now, you got caught on that so you weren't able to get them, you weren't able to have them killed, that's right. So I guess you decided, I'm kind of on a roll at this stage, so I guess you decided that if you can't kill them, you want to join them. Gillen is insinuating that the only reason Givens is testifying is because he knows he will get less prison time if he does so. Not because he knows of any criminal activity Kaplan, DeLeonardo, and the rest of the Gold Club defendants did, but to save himself. And, you know, what all these people wanted to do is they wanted to give testimony sufficient to where the government would say, all right, we're going to give you not only witness relocation, money, but we're going to let you out. 
And what they really wanted to do, and I think was the most frightening thing to me, to everyone in the jury, was that these were people that were eventually going to be back in our community. Bill Rankin felt a similar way to Gillen about the mafia witnesses, that the crimes they had committed were so much worse than whatever the Gold Club defendants were being accused of, that it was ridiculous to have them testify to get time reduced. You know, they cut so many deals with these really bad guys, you know, and the government probably would have said, you know, we cut deals with uh, sharks to catch, you know, bigger fish, but some people would say they were letting a whale go to catch minnows. In the Gold Club case, they're cutting deals with killers and torturers to get a guy who runs a strip club. So I think it's just a matter of proportion. There were no murders here, none that I knew of. So you kind of were left wondering, why go to all this trouble? We'll be right back. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There are choices that can change your life. Like the choice to start routine colorectal cancer screening at age 45. It's one of the most common cancers for women and men, and it doesn't always have symptoms. But there's good news. Routine screening can catch colorectal cancer early and even prevent it. And there's even better news. You have screening options. Make the choice to put your health first. Talk to your doctor about your screening options. Or visit cdc.gov slash screenforlife for more information. Between all the ridiculous moments, there was plenty of time to doze off. Some testimonies went on for days, specifying and rehashing details that seem mundane. But the jury at the Gold Club trial sat attentively. They reacted to powerful testimony. They had a sense of humor, especially when Art Leach's parade of gangsters took the stand. One of the witnesses, David Campo, tried disguising himself with dark shades and a fake beard. The next day, the jurors all wore Groucho glasses to mock him. But then this tactic of bringing in gangsters started backfiring on the prosecution. Jurors were getting fatigued with all the gruesome details, especially when the connection these men had to the gold club seemed unclear. 
the jurors started to ask, why are these guys here? Prosecutor Art Leach was frustrated. He thought the jurors were missing the point, that Kaplan's alleged involvement with the mob meant that he was culpable, enabling these dangerous people to do their work. The jury should have been able to see at this point just how dangerous these people are. You know, this is a real organization. It's an organization where you've got people like Kaplan who are the earners. In other words, they're generating the money to keep the organization going. But when they need somebody killed, they have people like those people that I put on the stand who, with a telephone call, can go out there and murder someone and then go off and have their dinner. He brings up The Sopranos. At the time of the trial, it's in its third season. And from my perspective, that is what I'm seeing in The Sopranos, because that was portrayed in The Sopranos as well. But the the jurors were looking, I think, viewing The Sopranos kind of in a romantic sort of way and ignoring the really ugly side of what mafia organized crime is all about. Art Leach may well have a point about this. Also in the courtroom with the defendants was Michael D. Leonardo, the alleged mobster and capo. Leach said he was at the top of the gold club operation with Kaplan, handing off money and protection fees to him to give to the Gambinos. De Leonardo was a larger-than-life presence. Attorney Bruce Morris was very impressed by him. Michael D. Leonardo was the slickest, and, and I don't mean slick in a negative way, slick as in right out of GQ magazine. This guy was about, you know, 5'11", uh, combed his hair straight back, was, you know, a, a reasonable build, not, not, not slender, but not too muscular and certainly not overweight, wore, uh, you know, tailored suits. Uh, you could see your reflection in his shine on his shoes. You know, his shirt was freshly pressed and he was very quiet, kept to himself and was reputed to be quite the ladies' man. He was, ve- he was very courteous. He was the guy, if, if 10 of us were walking into the courtroom, he would be the guy to hold the door open for everyone else. And what made Michael D. Leonardo even more alluring as a character was his nickname, Mikey Scars. He wore literal scars on his face. His lawyer, Craig Gillen, used Leonardo's gritty appearance to his advantage. No, these scars weren't battle scars. So I unveil this big, huge poster with a picture of poor little innocent Michael DeLeonardo, 11 years old, uh, with his face and head had been chewed up uh, by a dog in the neighborhood. And literally in that second, Mikey Scars was transformed from this pirate-like uh, scary guy into the 11-year-old Michael DeLeonardo who had been the victim of a dog attack and left scars on his face. And literally, you could see in the jury, you know, kind of walking back, I could see two or three people on the jury tearing up because they must have had the same impression everyone else did that DeLeonardo had to get these scars in some sort of massive street fight. But that wasn't the case. 
By week 12, one juror was dismissed because he couldn't take what he was seeing anymore. Judge Hunt summoned the lawyers to his chambers to break the news. Here's head attorney Steve Sadow. Judge Hunt, one morning, says, I need all the lawyers to come into chambers. We have to take up a very serious matter. Judge Hunt starts telling a story about one of the jurors. And the judge says, one of the jurors came to see me. And he told me that he had done a bad thing. So now, you know, we're all on the edge of our seats. We're trying to figure out what's going on. Is this going to throw out the trial? Are we going to have a mistrial? What, what, what is this? He says the juror then gets down on his knees and begs forgiveness for what he's done. So the judge says, I told him to get up off his knees and just tell me what happened. He said he wrote a letter. The juror wrote a letter. The judge says, well, okay. He says, and I sent it to the prosecutor. And the judge says, you sent a letter to the prosecutor? He said, yeah, it was an anonymous letter, but I sent a letter to the prosecutor. All the defense attorneys turn to Art Leach. They want to know about this letter. We all look at the prosecutor and say, what about this letter? And the prosecutor goes, oh, I, I got something, but I, 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 you know, I just glanced at it and I, I didn't know it was from a juror. I just thought it was from the public. Everyone agrees that they have to get rid of this juror. But Craig Gillen says, oh, hold on here a minute. We'd like to see the letter. And, and, and as much as I'd like to take credit for that, it was Craig. And, and the prosecutor goes, um, well, you know, it, it's not here. It's at home. And now we're insisting. We want to see the letter. And the judge, of course, now he's curious. He wants to see it, too. So he says, OK, we'll recess court. Uh, Mr. Leach, you make arrangements to get the letter, get the letter brought back down here and circulate a copy of the letter under seal to everybody in the case, all the lawyers, so we can see it. And the letter basically says, Dear Mr. Leach, we thought the government was supposed to be the good guys. You're getting destroyed. All of the jurors think the government's case is not going well. And Sadow is attacking you every single night in the media. You gotta do something. You gotta stop him from attacking you. A few days later, the jury was upset that another juror wasn't paying enough attention. The court dismissed her too. With all these jurors getting kicked off, lead defendant Steve Kaplan was concerned. Steve comes to me, Steve Kaplan, and says, what's this mean? And I said, this means things are going really, really well. Keep in mind, Rankin reported that this juror had been on Leach's side. She was pro-prosecution. So now we're of the opinion that everyone on that jury is inclined to go for us. Now the trial's not over and things can change. Sadow soon had his suspicions confirmed that the jury was on their side. And this wasn't even inside the courtroom. It was during a lunch break. Now, I don't eat lunch during trials, never. All I do, I, have, I get locked in the courtroom and I continue to prepare. I don't eat anything. Uh, if anything, I used to have Coke and M&Ms. So I would be hyped up for like the next three or four hours, which works well. But Steve and Larry went out. That would be Larry Glight, the Gold Club's accountant, who was also on trial. And... Steve comes back and he says, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. And I said, okay. He goes, it's, it's really, really important. 
I said, okay, okay. So we go out in one of the ante rooms and Steve says, something just happened with the jurors. And I'm thinking to myself, oh no, oh no. And he goes, yeah, do you want to hear? And I said, yeah, you got to tell me. He goes, so we're at this restaurant uh, and we're, we're standing in line and this group of jurors is it's several people in front of us and they see us and they motion us to come up. And Larry and I go up and they say, we know you're working so hard. We want you to step in front of us <laughs> and so you can get your lunch <laughs> and get back and work. What does that mean? What does that mean, he says? What does that mean? And I said, it means good. Just assume it means good, but remember, you really can't have any interaction with them. So they loved him. They literally loved him. Here's Prosecutor Art Leach. He saw it a different way. I was really concerned with uh, jury tampering as well. There there is a uh, motion probably midway through the trial where I had uh, gained information that uh, Steve Kaplan was uh, interfacing with one of the jurors. And I mean, that's enormously disturbing. So, you know, it's just things that you have to watch out for. It's kind of a hallmark of organized crime that they always go after the jurors. So, you know, we were trying to be alert to that situation as well. To be perfectly honest, we think the trial is going remarkably well. On the next episode of Racket. And then we had the FBI parked on the other side of the cul-de-sac. Every time we're coming in and out, they're at the back of their truck taking pictures of us. My cross was designed to get him to a point where the only logical conclusion was that he was a PIMP. This man can't keep his mouth shut. You can't get him to answer a question. That she moved her mouth and looked at me and said, fuck you. <laughs> she was so pissed. When the prosecutor asked, who did you have sex with? He had that little grin and he just said, both of them. You know, I got a call that the king of Sweden was gonna sue me for uh, slander or something, uh, which was kind of funny. I'm Christina Lee. This is Racket, Inside the Gold Club. Inside the Gold Club is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. Rackets written and narrated by me, Christina Lee, and produced by Gabby Watts. Caroline Slaughter is our supervising producer. Special thanks to Taylor Church and Sonam Vashi. Music is by Claire Campbell, and sound design and mix is by Tune Welders. Executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Brian Lavin, along with Scott Grubman and Lauren Zimmerman.
School of Humans. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.